Welcome back to another episode of Life with Lamb. Today I'm here with uh, Josh uh, Seddon. How are you going? I'm good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> Not too bad. I spent the whole day with you. It's been really nice getting to know you and we even hit out a gym sesh, which yeah. is very nice. That was a uh, yeah, pretty pretty sick pump. Pretty <laughs> yeah, I know, getting getting the sick pump. Um yeah, how are you feeling? You excited? We were just saying that you felt that you know, we're repeating the Melbourne interviews. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um, no, no, I'm excited to uh, sit down and talk with you today because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like you've got some questions and want to try to answer them. And you, as as you're can. a very um, smart cookie. Oh, you think so, mate? You are <laughs> overstating that for sure. <laughs> but, you know, talk to me, talk to the listeners. Who are you? What do you do? Who am I? That's a, oh, that's a really hard question for myself to answer. <laughs> well, I guess I'll start with my name again Josh. Um, I grew up uh, down in Bayside. Um, I've been studying my undergrad at Melbourne. I've been doing biomedicine. I just graduated, thankfully. Uh, so now <laughs> I've got a little bit of a holiday. Um, yeah, I spend a lot of my time, I guess. Um, what do I do? You're, you're making me question myself, actually, to be honest. Uh, I, spend uh, a lot of I time. mean, currently not, not much. Oh, but, currently not much, to be but honest. But before that, you know, graduated into medicine school. That is correct. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. Have you, has it sunk in yet? Um, that's a really interesting question. I, I think that it's, it has, but it's not what I expected. So like okay. it hasn't, it's hit me a little bit different. Um, I think everyone that does try to like, you know, get into a graduate course, regardless of what it is, um, and really sh- like sets a goal and then finally achieves it. It's not always what you kind of imagine. I think that's something I, I found, um, pretty interesting, I guess, cause it's been three weeks now since I've been accepted and I just haven't had that reaction I expected. Not to say it wasn't a bad reaction, but it's definitely been different. Like, but more anticlimactic. Than yeah, that. that's definitely it. Um, like, I remember getting the uh, the email, and I kind of opened it. I was like, yes, that's awesome. Like, I'm really happy. And then I was kind of like, oh, now what do I do? And now I've got, like, <laughs> yeah, now now I've got like two, two, three months where I'm just, you know, trying to figure out what to spend my time on, because, yeah, I've been so focused on getting this, um, this goal that I've kind of been, like, it's kind of weird taking a step back. It's refreshing. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm very happy that I, I do have this time to myself now. But I guess this gives me an opportunity to kind of find out, yeah, what what do I like doing? Yeah, what from, do you like doing? <laughs> what do I like doing? I mean, yeah, biomed's a bit of a grind. So, <sighs> yeah, uh, I feel like, what, the three years that you spent... Three years, yeah? Three, three years. Yeah, course. it was three years. Um, yeah, it is It is a grind. Um, absolutely a grind, more so the last two years. The first year I spent a little bit of time... Uh, uh, settling into the university life, I think, and uh, really getting uh, to enjoy that experience. Enjoying your Jaffe year. Yeah. Is... Um, that's it. That's it, right? I was really lucky that it was pre-pandemic, and so I got to really experience the full kind of ride, I guess, for one year. And hopefully listeners get to experience going into uni if they're not graduating the next year. Hopefully it goes back to normal. Yeah, for But sure. the last two years, oh, that was... Uh, Definitely heated up in terms of like academically and like the commitments and things. Like, definitely glad to take a step back now and just re- unwind a little bit. And yeah, for sure. Works. Now this is our second time meeting actually, but you know we've been <laughs> sliding into. Well, I slid into your DMs. Slid into my DMs. And you know we exchanged grams the first time we met, but you know I've known a little bit about you because my girlfriend is obviously in the committee with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but how did we meet? You know, how do we meet? You're a big boy. <sighs> Well, I think people wanted us to arm wrestle was how, how we met, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I think it's literally the first thing I said to you is I said, I don't want to arm wrestle. Yeah, I don't know if I'll win. I was terrified. I was like, please, I hope 
hope this guy does not want to arm no, wrestle me. No, right? I was like, everyone's like, guys, arm wrestle. And I was like, oh, a bit of context first. We were at a friend's um, a little apartment, kind of like meet and greet. And I was friends with him through like university. We both did Biomet. And you're um, dating someone else that was at Isika. Yeah. Um, and so we, we just kind of crossed paths. And I think people noticed. They're like, damn, these two people probably lift weight and they probably should arm wrestle. <laughs> I was wearing an oversized shirt, so I don't know how but people I was... saw that shit. Oh, you see that shit. Don't worry. Don't you worry. You can tell it's the, uh, you're filling out the shirt like a Dorito. Oh, wow. Oh, you're yeah. too kind. Stop it. You make me flush. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they want us to arm wrestle and you didn't want to, I didn't want to. And I think from there we had a bit of a mutual respect that, hey, it's, we don't need to like yeah, macho each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, you know, put our egos aside. Put, yeah. It's not, no need for ego, not in the slightest. Exactly. Um, you know, first impressions. First impressions of you. Um, really, really kind. Genuine. Wow. Thank um, you so much. <laughs> it's very cool. That's exactly why I accept this podcast, because you seem very down to earth. Uh, it's something I, I really admire in people. And it's really, it's pretty rare to see someone very much like in tune with themselves. And that's why I kind of got the vibe from you. Like, you seem really comfortable in your skin. And, like, you were there in... what well, I didn't know that you were, like, new people there. I was kind of like, oh, are you this, like, a boyfriend that's been dragged along? Like, I'm not sure. Because, like, that's been me in the past. Oh, yeah. It's, but not, you, a good, it's not a good position oh, to be in. No. But, you know. But you, you really felt, like, you were yourself there in your skin. And you seemed really comfortable. And I was like, wow, um, that's awesome. And the fact that you, you know, didn't try to, like, <clears throat> like out-masculine kind of, like, that kind of stuff. I was like, wow, nah. dude, this guy really um seems to be... A pretty genuine down to earth dude, and wow. that really made yeah made my uh made my night. And then you oh, thank my, you so much. Oh my my DMs, and I was like, okay, yes, I will do this podcast because if I get an excuse to go to the gym with you, oh no. Nah, I was like, damn, this guy's a big boy. Holy nah, shit. nah, is this the shirt, mate? <laughs> nah, you're a big boy in yourself, and you know, hit a nice sesh before. It was um, a fantastic sesh. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. That was actually really nice. Um, I had heard your voice a lot um because during lockdown um Isika stayed over which is very nice and she had meetings with uh the BSS committee and you know I never knew who you were but I like knew of you and it was so nice to like finally see you and then I was like thank god he did not arm wrestle me <laughs> because I was like, that is toxic masculinity that is toxic masculinity 100%. But, you know now we're here doing the yeah, pod we are we are doing the pod <laughs> now um talk to me about biomed like your experience in high school, I guess, and like what oh. l- what were the steps leading up to you actually choosing to do biomed? Choosing to do biomed. I think I kind of touched on this before when I was speaking to you, but yeah, I'll, I guess I'll reiterate, off air, you know, reiterate for it for the for the pod. <laughs> um, I so I didn't really. I was in year 11, 12. I did year eleven v three four bio because my sister did, and she was like, "Oh, you should do it. You should like you know get a three four out of the way." Blah blah blah. And I did that in year ten actually, uh, or year one two in year ten. Um, but I ended up doing IB instead. Um, and so I, I still did biology and things and like, I was kind of interested in that through like schools and the biological sciences. I was a bit of a nerd in that sense, like chemistry, biology, hit me up, man. I was kind of like, this is my, this is my jam versus like languages and things. But, um, I remember I, I was in year 12 and I didn't, again, no clue what I wanted to do. And I remember, um, my mom kind of encouraged me to sit the UMAP and she's like, oh, like it's the undergrad medical test for people that don't know. And she's like, well, you know, you never know. Maybe you'll get a hundred percent in it and then you'll get into medicine. You'll be a doctor. And I was like, oh, okay, mom. And I was like, I'll sit it whatever. I, I wasn't really passionate about medicine at all. I was kind of just like, eh, yeah, okay. It's, it's a test. If it was anything else, like an LSAT or a scholarship test, like she's made me sit tests in the past. Yeah. Uh, I guess give context about your mom. Cause we were talking oh, off air right. as well. Yeah. Of course she's, um, a very, very lovely woman. It's probably a really good start. Um, she's very, very supportive. So everything I've done, a lot of it at least, she's really encouraged me to do so. I feel like she's always pushing me in the right directions to like make, not necessarily the right decisions, but like to seek out the right opportunities. And uh, I guess it's been through my 
well, I guess my entire childhood, probably from like middle school onwards, um, where she's always kind of been like, hey, Josh, you should like get involved in this. You should get involved in this. See where your passions lie, um, whether you should like take this opportunity to like volunteer somewhere and like see not just like not just give back to the community, but also like um, see what your interests really are. I think that was really a big thing. Um, and so like I worked in, she, she helped like, encourage me to work in like elderly care. So I worked and volunteered there. I volunteered in like toy libraries. I volunteered at a camp for um, disadvantaged children from like rural areas. And I guess like all these experiences and things really kind of shaped who I am kind of today. And, and it so kind of, and it shows you're a very <laughs> kind and down to earth person as well. So Thank it's like, it's, it is very refreshing. Like you said as well, I think like-minded people. Yeah, absolutely. Drink uh, protein. Uh, <laughs> yeah, water, yeah. So what can I say? <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess your mum has sort of paved this way for you, but you were saying that she wasn't sort of like, you know, like a classic, you know, tiger, tiger, tiger mom. mom. Tiger yeah. mom. No, not at all. Um, she's been probably one of the most uh, influential person my, people in my life. Uh, I reckon she, honestly, I would not be sitting here today in the slightest if it hadn't been for her. She's just always encouraged me in the right directions. When I'd pick something, she'd support me. If it was something stupid, she would be like, Josh, hey. Like, I think you should think about this. And I'd be like, okay. And I'd take a step back and talk to her. But I, I never felt like she was forcing me in a direction. I never felt like she encouraged me to sit this you, Matt, right? And spoiler alert, I didn't get into Monash medicine. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting here. But again, she's always been encouraging me in the right directions. And so she said, hey, Josh, even if you don't want to study medicine, because again, I wasn't that passionate about the time, why don't you pick something that you enjoy? You like the biological sciences. Why don't you pick biomedicine instead? Why don't you do that? What if, was your... Uh, sorry to cut you off. Um, what were you set on before that? Well, again, it was really it was really tough. I, I never really knew. I knew that I didn't want to do math, even though I wasn't I wasn't bad at math. It just it felt so... Rip- I'm going to say this and people are going to get like... They disagree. The mathematician is going to disagree with me and that's absolutely right. This is a very uh, narrow-minded view because <laughs> of my ba- like very limited exposure to mathematics. But I felt like I was just doing the same thing over and over again and I was kind of like filling it. It was a different equation but it was the same thing and it never really stuck out to me. I didn't like... I think that's probably because I was so limited in my exposure. I feel like if I got... Like my grandfather was actually a theoretical mathematician. So it's it skipped a generation, let's just say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I never really liked that. I never really liked... um Like I was always fairly articulate and I again mum encouraged me to do debating um English I quite enjoyed I thought like thematically I really enjoyed that kind of stuff I enjoyed history uh, I did history in 12 but I never really envisioned myself as anything aside from probably something to do with the sciences I, I did see myself as well in kind of like a less academic field I, I saw myself as like in paramedicine or like I kind of mentioned this before dad used to take me skiing and I saw myself as like a ski patroller and like someone that like you know rescues people on the slopes considering uh, look mate the amount of injuries I've had on the slopes and being <laughs> taken down a little like, trolley down the mountain um, has been astronomical but yeah like I, I absolutely just think that I I found myself wanting to pursue academics I think that's again because I did pretty decently in year 12 i think that pushed me to say hey if you can do this you can get into this you should probably pursue something academic mm. and so i found like i picked biology something based i picked biomedicine i look i think the reason i picked biomedicine is because i was like it's a bit more like, biological i thought it was a bit more attuned to like medical stuff even though i wasn't passionate about medicine i thought it was a bit more like biologically inclined compared to science where i was like i did a science elective in first year at the breadth and it was like astronomy and i it just wasn't i wasn't vibing it yeah as a few like part of biomedicine you had to do like physics and stuff and i just wasn't vibing that too much I, I didn't hate it i actually quite liked it but i didn't have a passion for it but i did have a passion for things like anatomy i did have a passion for things outside. i had a passion for sports in the gym and i was kind of like hey biomedicine is something where you can choose a major in anatomy you can also get an exposure to everything before 
picking your major. Whereas I feel like science is a little bit more, it's a little bit too flexible for me. As in, I feel like I wouldn't have known what to do if I wasn't giving a bit more of a rigid structure. And so biomedicine kind of stood out for those reasons. And I guess from biomedicine to end up in medicine now, um, I think it's still a combination of like my old motivations to like, you know, be involved in like patient care in terms of uh person-to-person interactions, person like being a ski patrol, you know, helping people in that kind of capacity. And you, you were saying you wanted to be a teacher as well, Yeah. your well, teacher was like, don't you dare do that. <laughs> no, my teachers, yeah, I, I actually mentioned that year 12 to um, one of my teachers. I said, they asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, oh, I wouldn't mind being like a biology teacher. And they said to me, they're like, do not. <laughs> do not. <laughs> you got like, so much potential, can, please do, do not. <laughs> you can do more than that. And I was like, oh, wow. That was, that was actually really eye-opening because I always thought of my teachers as smart, like very, very smart, very, very intelligent people. Um, and not to say they aren't, but I didn't realize that they viewed themselves as like, not that like high in society. I thought, I think that's bullshit. Like, I, th- I think that's completely like not true. I actually just, dis- I still disagree with that teacher today. I think teachers are like fundamental to exactly. society. They and provide the education absolutely. as well. And even like, if your teacher is shit, you know, yeah. like, which so, unfortunately sometimes it happens, does happen, but they still pass on some absolutely. forms of and I, I disagree with the teacher. I still disagree with that teacher. However, it did open my eyes to other pathways. Um, but I do like teaching, which is why I am, again, medicine. One of the big things in medicine is teaching. It's mentorship. It's it's when you um, talk to people above you, you learn information, they teach you, you teach the below you. It's been the same in biomedicine. I've tried to take a bit more of a mentorship role. Um, and in medicine, like the way it's structured, your residents, your interns, your medical students, your attending doctors, like it's a, it's a hierarchy and it's teaching from one generation to the next. And that's something that really stood out to me. Yeah, for sure. I kind of want to go back actually to the uni and be like a lecturer or something when I'm older. When I'm older. I think you'd be (laughs) a very good lecturer. Like I'd sit back just to listen to you talk. Listen to my lecturer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess um, for the listeners who don't know, um, maybe give them a rundown on like how you got into medicine school and like what the process was from there. From medical school. Okay. So So, I can talk about like GAMSAT or... So basically I... I mentioned it before, I set the UMAT. So there's two ways to get into medicine in Australia. You can either do the undergraduate entry or you can do the graduate entry. So the undergraduate entry is only offered by a few universities. Um, Monash is one of them. And it's a little bit of a shorter course. Instead of five years, oh, sorry, instead of seven years, technically, because you have to do an undergrad for graduate entry, it's five years. So it's a little bit elusive, oh, not elusive, attractive in that sense. Um, but you have to sit the UMAT and it's straight from school. And if you don't do well in the UMAT, which is a questionable, not questionable test, it's a pretty... Um, it's novel, is one way to put it. Um, if you don't do very well on that, then regardless of the ATAR, you're not going to get into undergrad med. So I did okay in that test, but I didn't do amazingly. Uh, I got an interview to Monash Medicine, but I ended up not getting into there. And I'm actually really, really quite grateful that I did. Because at the time, I did not know I wanted to do medicine. And I just did the test because mum wanted me to. And even though, like, again, I support that, I, I don't know what I would have done if I got in. I don't know if I would have actually taken it. Um, yeah. So the other entry is graduate entry. So... With graduate entry in Australia, what you do, you have to do an undergraduate before you go start medicine. And so an undergraduate could be anything. At the moment, they've actually removed all prerequisites for medicine moving forward. So you can do an arts degree, you could do a, um, a design degree, you could do a science degree, you could do a biomed degree, it doesn't matter. You can do anything and you can then apply to medicine. Um, there's a combination. Entry to medicine is determined by multiple factors. So you've got firstly your scores in uni. So they call it your GPA. It's basically your grade point average. It's like how many H1s have you basically gotten? How well are you sitting at uni? Um, they calculate it using it like a different mathematics and there's calculators online if you want to try to calculate your own GPA. Um, there's that. There's also something called the GAMSAT, which is, oh God, graduate admissions, something along those lines, <laughs> medical admissions. Te- uh, Just the GAMI. The GAMI. Um, <laughs> that is a very grueling exam. That's six, oh, it used to be six hours. I think it's five now. Um, where basically it's composed of essay writing, science, like physics, chemistry, biology, and um, 
literature, reading comprehension. And you basically get scored on that. And then if your score in that is competitive, and so is your GPA, so uni grades, um, you'll be considered for an interview at the school. And so the interviews, I was lucky enough, very fortunate to receive an interview to Melbourne Medicine um, about four, three months ago. And then from there, I started grinding, you know, I started trying to speak, started becoming a bit more articulate and trying to like be more concise in the way I spoke. Um, and I practiced and practiced and I set the interview. And once you set the interview, they basically take your interview grade, they take your GAMSAT grade and they take your GPA grade and they weight the interview 50%, your GPA is 25% and your GAMSAT 25%. And they see whether you got ranked high enough to be admitted. And I think there's, in, uh, I think in Melbourne Uni, there's 150 non-chancellor CSP spots available for uh, medicine. There's a bit more bonded and a bit more uh, full-fee places, but I won't really go into those. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really fortunate that I was successful, and I'm looking forward to studying the next four years of my medical career, because, oh gosh, it's going to be a long, <laughs> a long trek. <laughs> All the best for that. Thank you. I just wanted to ask, how did you prepare for interviews? And how did things? I prepare? Um, so, I'm in the camp of people that believe that you can practice for interview, you absolutely should. I think a lot of people conflate the interview as being um, a test of competence, the fact that you're not a robot. That's not true. The interview is a test of excellence. It's a test of how well do you speak under pressure? How well do you answer certain questions? How well can you communicate? Can you? It's not just, are you a robot? It's not just, do you have a good personality? A lot of people get confused. They, not confused. They get uh, then they're not aware that the fact that they think that a lot of people that are doing really well academically are robots. They think they're like people that sit they're at home study. They're, that, It's a yeah. misconception. Yeah. No, there are a lot of very smart, articulate people that you are competing against. You got to remember it's a competition. Five hundred people get interviewed for Melbourne Uni, uh, or five fifty. I think about half of those get accepted. So you have to be in the top half, not just of your um, grades, but also of your interview. So it's not just a test of competence because that would imply that fifty percent of people are robots. That's not true. <laughs> not in the slightest. Um, so yeah, I, for the interview, I prepared basically by, oh, I, I think I started by figuring out what are my weak points and I know my weak points. I, I tended to ramble. I, I was very poor with conciseness. And so even though I spoke well and I sp like I could articulate myself, I wasn't very concise. And so I'd often lose people when talking. And so I was like, okay, I've got a minute to answer these questions. I need to answer them in a minute. It doesn't matter how good my answer is if I can't get it out in a minute. So a lot of my practice really came down to, um, timing myself to a question saying, can I answer this question in a minute? If I can't try again, like it's just that stuff, talking to my parents, talking to my friends, practicing interview. I took the same approach actually with my interview and GAMSAT. I simulated it. I think like with the GAMSAT, I sat probably before my GAMSAT. The first time I did averagely, I didn't really do much. The second time I did much, much better. And I, I attribute that predominantly to the fact that I sat about 12 GAMSATs in the 12 days leading up to the GAMSAT. I sat like every single day trying to simulate what six hours would be like straight because there's no point practicing how good you are at one section for one hour's worth. There's no point sitting down doing an hour of GAMSAT. That's not what you're tested on. On the day, it's not just a test of one hour. It's a test of six. So you have to be able to maintain that like concentration for such a long period. It doesn't matter how like what's the word good at you are answering questions if you if you're only good for about 30 minutes and then you start getting tired yeah it's like that intensity absolutely that you need to maintain and so i would i would give that i give that advice to anyone seeing the games that hey go get some practice questions you can find them on acer like they give some practice questions you can find them on there's something called des o'neill which is free practice questions sit down choose if there's 75 questions in section one pick 75 questions and then you know there's going to be two essays pick two topics and then you know there's going to be 100 science questions or whatever or 70 or whatever it is set those out and set the whole thing and then do that as many times as you can and it's a test of that and that's how you do it and I did the same thing for the interview I sat interview after interview after interview got different advice advice different people 
um, I think I definitely got better. A lot of people think they don't get better. No, my even my mum said to me, again, I, I'm someone that I don't really struggle speaking too much, but my mum was like, mate, you improved so much from like the start. The first interview you gave, because I sat it with her, the last one I sat with her, she's like, night and day. So you can definitely improve. So that's kind of how I practice and approach that. What kind of questions do they ask in the interview? Is it very uh, like general? I, or? Don't, I don't know if I can even say in terms of um, specifically, because they didn't, I don't think they made us sign an NDA, but... I, I, my, I don't think it's really fair for me to give the exact questions. Of course, yeah. But <laughs> what, no, 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 don't apologize. Um, what I would say is a test of communication. They're tests of um, motivations as well. Like, I think generally I can speak. So they could ask you, for example, this is not what was on the interview, but they'll ask you, like, why do you want to study medicine? And then you answer that in a minute. And it's not about, you know, I want to help people and just saying that really It's like me. thinking outside the box and Absolutely. they test that. Like, the way they, I won't, again, go into it. The way they asked it on the exam on the interview was very out of the box and if you if you'd had prepared a like an answer you would have been like very had a very bad time answering that question because it was requiring you to actually think on your feet actually answer the question be genuine i think that goes a long way genuine like genuineness or genuinity or whatever the word is yeah. um being genuine goes a massive way and it's not just about your personality it's about your motivations it's about your communication it's about um conflict resolution it's about teamwork it's about leadership skills they ask you things that are like um about your life experiences too. Like, what have you done? What have you done? What? Wh- how would you resolve this issue if this came up? And things like that, that you kind of have to have a live experience to not bullshit your way through the question. And do you attribute a lot of your mum's sort of past uh, encouragement? Absolutely. So I think my mum really pushed me in the right directions. And she, even though she wasn't pushing me in the medicine, she was not. Even this sitting, making me sit the UMAT, or not, I say making it's me, like encouraging an me. awesome foresight. Absolutely. She's like, doing all these things will make you a better person. It will make you a more re- well-rounded person and you'll know yourself and your motivations a bit more by doing this stuff and exploring. Mm. And so now I sit here, you know, t- turning 21 very shortly and going into medicine and I, I feel really, really comfortable that I'm doing the right thing. And that three years ago, if you'd asked me, do I want to stay medicine? I'd be like, I don't know. Like, maybe. Uh, you know, doctors. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But now I'm sitting here, I'm like, no, that's actually what I want to do. And I have the reasons for it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was having a chat with my uh, remedial therapist yeah. uh, yesterday and she described like the process being really sort of like this elitist culture. I just want to get your thoughts on it and like how you sort of coped with that, how you dealt with it or were you just sort of immune to it? Do you mean in terms of biomedicine? Like yeah, biomedicine. Right. So I get what she means. Um, I think within... There's, there's two, we should separate this question into two parts. Within biomedicine, the latest culture, and with that, like outside of biomedicine too. So I think biomedicine is often perceived as like an elite group of individuals that all like you know think they're all amazing and great and that they're the smartest people around. And not to say there aren't individuals like that, there definitely are. Um, but a lot of people in biomedicine are there for the right reasons. And so whilst I think there is this perception of biomedicine as an elite culture, I think it's an oversimplification to call everyone in biomedicine elitist. I hope that's come across a little bit but i think within biomedicine though you do have your individuals even within the cohort like between each other that perceive themselves as better they perceive themselves as like you know they're going to get into medicine they're going to be the greatest they're going to get to the h1 they're going to go to high school and the way to deal with it just don't talk to them (laughs) you just try you just try to distance yourself you find the right group of people i think that's really important that when forming when entering biomedicine forming friendships entering uni in general you are the product of the closest people to you and so if you surround yourself by people that are like a bit more laid back, a bit more chill, a bit more like, hey, let's work this out together. Let's be a team. Let's be a team. Let's actually try to like, you know, do the best we can for each other and try to get through this degree together. You will be having a much, much better time versus if you like surround yourself by people that are kind of driving you like 
in a different kind of way, in a more competitive kind of like be better than them. I think that's where you kind of become a little bit more, uh, what's the word? Com- competitive in a bad way. Like competitive yeah, in the sense that it's like over competitive. It's kind of like, hey, calm down. <laughs> Take a step back. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, but there is this competitive nature, of course, in this court, uh, in this degree or mm. undergraduate degree. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you think about it as well? I think we had a chat about this in the car too. About the competitive nature. Um, I think it's, I guess it's like kind of a double-edged sword. I think on one hand it's bad because it can drive anxiety through the roof. I think yeah. for a lot of individuals, um, you've pr- everyone's heard this before, but imposter syndrome is very real. Um, I think everyone has it, uh, to some extent, even the smartest people in the room sometimes for long, not all, everyone, obviously you've got your people that think they're the best and maybe they are, maybe they're not, but a lot of people think that they shouldn't belong where they are. And that extends to everyone or a lot of people. And so I think the competitive nature of biomedicine can be really debilitating to a lot of people. I think it can really drive anxiety through the roof. It can really make people struggle through the course. Um, On the flip side, I think the competitive nature can actually be really good. I think it can drive you. It depends on the people you surround yourself with, but Mm. it can really drive you to be the best that you can be and to learn the most that you can. And for me, um, I guess the competitive nature, it more came from my close friends being like, oh yeah, I'll get 1% more than you, mate. Come on, come on, mate. Like, But it was a friendly kind of competition. Whereas like, wasn't like any malicious intent behind it. That's it. Or like even like studying together. Like it wasn't even the competitive nature of that. But I personally never found myself like driven by this competitive like nature of biomedicine as a whole. Like I never found myself like in that course being like, hey, like I need to get into medicine. There's 700 people competing against medicine. I need to get in. I need to get in. Um, they're all better than me. Like I never found myself in that position. Um, but I think that's probably, I was just kind of, spared by that maybe i I don't know why i was spared but hopefully it was because i surrounded myself by the right people and i kind of took a step back and tried to be a little bit more uh, relaxed yeah for sure because i'm just thinking like it's pretty inevitable that i guess you're sitting next to your mate who is doing biomed who's Mm. wanting to do the gamset wanting that gpa as well and i'm just thinking like personally in the back of my mind it'd be droning like i have to be better than this person but yeah i guess like you you think surrounding yourself with the right people is the way to go about it? Yeah, and I think, obviously, not, not everyone. Well, I think everyone can do this to an extent, but I like to surround myself by people that are smarter than me and better than me because I'm not going to get better or smarter if you're the smartest person in the room or you're the best person in the room. Uh, I think the way to improve and grow and to be, to actually be more competitive is to compare yourself to people that are better than you and try to actually, like, find ways to kind of, mimic them almost and like emulate that so like what drives your friend to be better do they study more than you do they xyz do they like um have a better work ethic are they just naturally smarter like what is it and try to determine what it is and try to focus on improving yourself and maximizing your own ability and you can use your friend as a guide i guess like a a goal or a set point like i definitely use people in the year above me as a kind of mentors to reach that goal i never met the standard but hey i tried and i mean you've made it pretty far (laughs) i I mean i never met their standard in terms (laughs) of like but it was definitely something i was really driving and i didn't feel like i was competing against them i felt like i was just trying to like emulate them almost and try to like see how they were successful and yeah try and for sure that. and i think that applies to anything really like say gym like i love gymming with people who can like lift a lot more than me as well and like might have better technique because it's like i'm improving off watching them and like getting a spot off them or getting a few mm. pointers like we were at the gym and you were giving me pointers and i was like like this you is why <laughs> sorry you didn't need them oh no 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 uh, like always having that open mind and like willingness to learn and surrounding yourself with people who are better than you and having that humility is a really important life lesson and i think like the way you've described it is perfect thank you <laughs> um what else have we got 
I, I want to move on yeah, from sure. biomed. I feel like some people might. Yeah. Thank you for listening. If you if you still are, I feel like there's a few lessons in there. But you are a jack of all trades. Um, <laughs> not only are you smart and handsome. Stop it. <laughs> I might add that you are a leader and now ex president of the biomedical. Uh, student society at Melbourne Uni. That is correct. Yeah. Yes. Talk to me about this experience and like that experience. Did Mum push you into that as well, uh, or not or in the slightest? You? Actually, oh. um, I think this one came pretty left field. Um, I don't even like. I look back on how did I get involved in that, and I, I really think it was a product of just putting myself out there. I, I kind of mentioned to you before, um, off air, <laughs> that I was the only person from my school to do biomedicine at Melbourne, and I was one of like ten people to go to Melbourne University full stop because my school was out in like kind of Bayside, so most people go to Monash, and so. I really had to make new friends to survive. I really, I was kind of like, oh no, I didn't really, one thing, I didn't really like high school very much. I, I, I thought I was forced to be with a group of people that I didn't really share values with and I didn't really like feel like I connected with too much. Yeah, we did talk about this as well because you, you were saying with your mate, you just gym, yep. gymmed with him. You were just yep. like, fuck this, I'm yep. out. <laughs> yeah, no, um, 100%. I literally, I have like three friends probably from high school, maybe two that I really speak to a lot. Um, none else really. I, I just, I felt like, I was forced to be friends with people as a product of my environment rather than because I really wanted to. And so there's a, there's two in particular, I'm not going to name names, anyone's listening, um, <laughs> that I really still talk to a lot, I still really enjoy being with. And so in school, it would just, we would just eat, we would just leave because at uh, lunchtime, we we're allowed to go down the street to go get food. And every lunchtime, you get like, you know, the toxic masculinity group playing like futsal or whatever they'd be playing uh, or soccer square or whatever it was. And we'd just run off down the street. We'd be like, oh, I don't want to be here because I don't want to be involved in this kind of like, oh, what's the word? Uh, toxic kind of culture mm. and I think going into university um, I was really kind of uh, looking for something that was different and I was really looking for an opportunity to kind of like make new friends that had like-minded values and I was going to Biomed everyone at Biomed you know they're not all the same but like we do have some shared kind of interests and I think I kind of found myself um, you know just putting myself down um, for the biomedical camp at the start of first year I was like yeah why not why not um, I, was, I was pretty into like uh, going out and clubbing and drinking and that kind of stuff I was 18 fresh 18 so I was kind of like yeah that all and you're a late bloomer aren't you I was, I was born December 27th so, <laughs> you know a bit of a uh, <laughs> bit of a you know uh, just enjoying life for the first time being an adult and uh, so I was like yeah why not I'll go drink really heavily on this biomed camp make some new friends like-minded people and I ended up like loving the people I was with on that camp they were especially the leaders of that camp not even like the people I was with like yes I enjoyed that but the leaders the people above me I really connected with them and the camp was run by the society called the Biomed Student Society and they I think I hope they seem to reciprocate that kind of fondness and so they really encouraged me um, to like join them and be part of their club and things so I was like yeah why not so I gave a speech at this um, like a little meeting to be elected and I, I did like some beer bong thing and I, it was a bit of a joke at the time and I got elected because it's a beer bong. Like, I guess that's like, kind of like, it's a bit of a joke. Very impressive. That. It's a joke at that level. Like. <laughs> but they, they seem to like that. And I guess from there, I got elected again the next year and I really got involved. I, I wasn't doing too much. I was like running barbecues. I was putting posters up. It was very kind of minor things. Um, I didn't really know the, the extent of the society and what they did and everything, but I was kind of just involved with it in that sense. I went to the events. I like helped them. I hyped them up, whatever they needed. I kind of was like, hey, I'll help you. Second year, kind of a very similar thing. I got re-elected. Um, that time I waxed my legs. Uh, at breakfast. I waxed uh, <laughs> racing stripes down my legs. Oh god! I let people pull the uh, things off. Uh, I had the video somewhere. I'm not sure. Sh- <laughs> I'm not showing. <laughs> but, um, again, another really silly thing. And I guess that's what my kind of point is. I, through my degree, I kind of matured a lot, and I felt like even the second time when I waxed my legs, I was kind of like, I don't want to do this. Like I kind of just am doing it because it's a joke, and kind of set that example myself. But the next year, I um, actually ran for. Um, 
president of the club. I, I was feeling really confident. Um, I felt like I was becoming a little bit more confident in my skin and confident in society and kind of what they give. And I learned a lot more about what they do and they give back to people and they organize things and they make people feel more comfortable and accepted. And I, I really liked the kind of like motivations and the presidents I was speaking to, they really like one of them in particular was a real strong role model for me. And I kind of, again, he's actually the person I want to emulate um, when setting those bars for me. And so like that pace set up sort of thing. Yeah. And that was awesome. And yeah. so I ended up running for the position and I ended up being elected as president of the club. And that was last year. And that was a whirlwind experience in terms of uh, probably the fastest maturing experience of someone's life. <laughs> yeah. Talk <laughs> to us about it. Accepting that presidency. Crazy um, year it yeah. has been. Well, that's it, right? Even with COVID or without it, like it would have been hectic, but it was just really full on. We got really lucky that I got elected just when we we're coming out of the second lockdown. So we were able to have people for like six months. So we had quite a few events. We ran a camp, which was very, very stressful. Um, we take 120 kids off to the countryside and it's just, you know, it kind of uh, activities, there's drinking, there's kind of like fun and games. Um, it's to like mingle and meet people, but there's a lot of responsibility because when you're the president or when you're even the executive, not necessarily the president, the kind of the buck stops with you. You are accountable for every single person in that camp. And that's a lot of responsibility to hold. And I, I think it didn't really sink in at the time. I was kind of so like... <laughs> Try to like fix everything, like kind of like run around, put out fires Putting on the camp. Out spot fires, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that was my entire job on the camp. Like something would come up, a fire alarm would get taken out of the ceiling. I have to yell, like not yell, raise my voice and kind of like, can like to kind of like encourage, well, not encourage, but like be the parent, be the parent. That's exactly right. Yeah. I had to play like the dad card, um, <laughs> and that was something really new to me. And although like I've worked in kind of leadership roles before, nothing to this extent, and nothing where again, I was the top like as in like i no like you were the top i was actually the yeah yeah. i was like the the, the, there was no one to ask for help apart from like my peers and so that was kind of a scary experience not to say my my peers were so like the rest of the committee was amazing on the camp um so it wasn't just me involved not in the slightest however like being that like top authority i felt like there was a little bit more like a little bit more weight on your shoulders um because if someone gets hurt like yeah, it might be their fault. Like, they tripped over something, yeah. they drank a bit too much. But you still feel that guilt. Absolutely. And so there was actually one example of this that, uh, didn't, thank gosh it didn't happen. Um, but there was a lake on the camp, and I was very, very paranoid about that. Because you can imagine if a kid drank too much alcohol and stumbled into a lake and drowned, that was, would have been fucking awful. Like, it would have been terrible. And so I was so scared about that the whole camp. I had, like, made a really strong point over near that of water um i made a strong point to the leaders like you need to like watch this we walked around doing rounds until like five in the morning to make sure everyone's asleep i kept walking past that lake to see if people were there and like that responsibility no one makes you do that no one says to you, you josh you have to go do this like you have to actually like go this far and be this excessive but like i think that just demonstrates like the type of person you are and like your character you're so like kind-hearted and willing to look out for those people and that's what like makes a true leader Oh, thank you. Which thank is, you. No, like, I think just having that um, compassion and, like, being able to be, assess that situation and say, hey, look, like, that's pretty dangerous. Not many people, like, understand that. Mm. And I see that, like, so often, like, so many people just missing out on these small things as well. That's true. Although I, I do think, though, that it can be learned. I don't think it's purely, like, an innate thing. Like, I, I, I didn't come you know, out of the womb being like, yes, that is dangerous. Let's, you know, like, be careful. Let's being very proactive. I definitely learned it. And I definitely, like, over time, I got more and more involved in these experiences. I kind of, like, I also got involved in hospitality. And I now manage a bar on King Street. So if anyone wants to pop in, feel free to say hi. <laughs> drinks um, on Josh. Drinks on Josh. But <laughs> you've been involved in that, like, learning RSA things, learning how to deal with customers. When I became the manager, actually being the one that had to, like, confront drunk 
drunkards and kick people out of the venue and being security of the venue and dealing with like difficult situations it makes you like um project forwards and like hypothesize what could go wrong i think being prepared for so many different things is a skill that you learn and i think it's a really important skill i think it carries over to the rest of life and so i'll take an example even going into biomedicine or going to medicine now i didn't plan on getting accepted into medicine I tried, I did my best, <laughs> I sat the interview, I sat GAMSA, I sat the GPA, I applied and everything, but I always planned, hey, I'll probably end up going to a different university, I'll plan for that, like maybe I'll end up not at Melbourne Uni, maybe I'll end up at like Griffith and the Gold Coast for medicine, because that's, the standards are a little bit lower there. Or maybe I won't get in this year, I'll end up doing research and then re reapply next year, and then I'll do this X, Y, Z. I'd always have a plan Z, like always, always. I think that was a skill that I learned from like all these leadership things and like being in charge and being responsible. That made me manage myself a little bit better it made me manage my expectations and it also meant that when i did get accepted great if i didn't get accepted i wouldn't have been crushed i would have been okay i would have known what to do i wouldn't have been lost a lot of people i feel put all their eggs in one basket they go i'm gonna study medicine and they come out of like school and they're like i'm doing medicine they don't get into monash and they're like okay i'm gonna study medicine and graduate medicine in melbourne um blah 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 whatever they do and then they get all the way through and they don't get in. Maybe they're not academic or maybe their academics weren't high enough. Whatever it is, maybe, again, they just messed up the interview. It's not necessarily a representation of their skill. But maybe they just don't get in that first year. Mm. I, I know plenty of people that are very capable that haven't gotten in multiple years in a row just because something hasn't been the standard that has been that year, that has been set by that year. And they get so... What's the word? Distraught. Distraught. That's exactly. Dis depressed. Put they, they don't know what to do with themselves. And, like, they, they don't know what they... they they just kind of sit back and they go, well, I was going to do this. I can't get in. I'm just going to reapply next year. I'm going to reapply again and again and again and again. And they get caught in the loop of this reapplying. And they put. Do you see it happen often? I, I see people not know when to like reevaluate. Or I, th I see people that put all their eggs in this medicine basket. Yep. And then they don't even think to look for opportunities outside of that. The, the reality is medicine is a career. And a very rewarding career, but it's not the only rewarding career. Isn't the I think a lot of people say they want to study medicine because they want to help people. I think that's a really, really this is a tip, guys. If you sit your interview, do not say that in the interview. Do not say you want to study medicine to help people, uh, because most careers help people. Um, what do firefighters do? They put out fires. What do they reckon putting out fires? Are? They help people. <laughs> what do police officers do? Oh, that's controversial. But uh, what do, <laughs> yes, that's actually yeah, very controversial. controversial what do uh, we'll skip past that one. yeah? We'll skip PTs past that. do. What do PTs do? What do what does most accountants? What do financial advisors do? A a lot of them help people so to say you want to help people is not necessarily insincere but i don't think it's an accurate representation of why you want to study medicine and so i think if you are going down this pathway you really need to take a step back and be like why do i want to study medicine is it for the prestige is it for the money because if it's those reasons i tell you right now there are better paying jobs that if you're smart enough to get into medicine you can 100 percent get a job that pays you way more so just letting anyone know that that if they're trying to study medicine for those reasons Look, there are better opportunities. Uh, I, the reason I want to study medicine, I think I kind of alluded to this before. So I felt like it was kind of this integration between academia and patient care. And both of those pathways were things I was really interested in. I was kind of wrestling between, you know, going down that paramedic kind of like ski patrol kind of route and also going into like teaching and like academics and things. And I felt medicine was this combination of both that also included my passion for the biological sciences. It was this kind of this really nice triad of things. Um, and this is also what I said in my interview. So I think they probably were like, yeah, this is like, a, damn, we like, damn, that, we like that answer. <laughs> um, because I think the most important thing is to reason with yourself. Why are you doing what you're doing? And I think, studying for the interview i had to reason with myself i'd been in this path studying i sat the game so i sat in gpa i did all these things whatever i did that because i was still chasing this kind of goal but i didn't really understand until i got the interview why i was chasing that i think that's why i ended up where i am is because i actually understood my motivations that's what i encourage everyone yeah. to really do
and how, what steps do you take to go and like assess yourself like do you sit down and like journal or do you just like sit down and have a chat to people i think that's it i think i talk to people and i i talk to people about things and i talk to people a lot like i spend a lot of my time talking and it's just brainstorming it's like what would i do like i hypot i again like I was talking uh, yeah about, the hypothesizing the hypothesis, yeah like, different routes like what would i have done if i'm not sitting here right now and there's a few things but there's always holes there's always been a hole in every single bit that i've tried to do like i've been like hey paramedics okay i feel like i'd get bored because i don't have that like intense intellectual kind of stimulation all the time and something I, i'm a bit of a nerd in that capacity that i do really enjoy that stuff i enjoy thinking i enjoy like um using my brain a lot like in that novel kind of strange ways and that makes sense um and so i was kind of oh, okay maybe i don't want to do that but then i went into like thinking the academic side like the researching the creating like uh, if you've a second year biomedical student you'll know all about molecular cell biology which is the very very intense biochemistry of things as a bit dry but I actually really liked it. And so I was like, okay, I really like this, but I can't imagine myself sitting in a laboratory um, for days on end. Without interaction. Without interaction. And so I was like, wow, what really fulfills all these checkboxes and my requirements for a job? And it came down to medicine. That was it. I, I really can't think of another job that would have ticked everything. Um, like there were other jobs that are very good. Maybe if I was more inclined into like English and literature, I might've picked a lawyer or something or picked something that was like more in that discipline but i think just because i did enjoy the sciences like it's it's nice having that carry through mm. especially like in third year i ended up majoring in anatomy and doing that made me like settle medicine it was like okay um i love this i love like the anatomy i love the human body i love all that stuff that comes with it like plus gym plus gym i was gonna say <laughs> yeah. that's part of what goes with it it's a good uh, segue uh, like, absolutely <laughs> and so yeah that's that's why i think that's really my reason yeah that's now. awesome and i'm still waiting for that day to find the why but you know yeah, everyone takes time yeah, I feel like we're thrown into the deep end as like an 18-year-old fresh out of high school. What do you want to do for the rest of your life? Absolutely. Sort of thing. So, um, you know, we're all still trying to find it. And in a in what, like the second episode, like so re- so far back, it was like ages ago, I was talking to Steg and Dom about it. And it's like finding your why, you know, like we're all, all searching for it. And it looks like, yeah, you've come to a really nice conclusion. Or well, I mean, it's still starting. Still starting. That's it. That's still start starting. Absolutely. Okay. Um, however, that being said, um, that's why I'm very, very glad that I didn't do undergraduate medicine because I feel like I wouldn't have found that why so quickly, and I would have been kind of thrown into a pathway that yes, it is the same end goal, but I actually understand my motivations a lot better now. Yeah, it's like the journey that you Absolutely. took to get there, and that I would never trade. That if I could go back and someone say you'd cut two years off your medical degree and you'd be a doctor two years earlier, you get two years more pay, you'd get all the stuff, you'd be finish your training, I'd be like, nah, I'd do biomedical again. I would 100%. Even if I had to run the risk of not getting into medicine, I think I would do biomed again. Because I just you found out so much about I found yourself. out so much about myself from it. Yeah, for sure. And like going back to the pre- presidency, like you're running this big club, very very big club actually, because mm. I'm part of DSA startup. Like literally, I don't know how long BSS has been going uh, on for, but 2008. Yeah. That's that's a big portfolio and like lots of accumulation of funds and yeah. reputation as well. Like you must have learned a lot about yourself. Absolutely. I did. I learned not just how I, you know, how I think and how I like what my passions are, but I also learned about how to like manage people and with people and manage like what, like, take more of a leadership role and not just manage myself as a person, but manage how I interact with other people in the sense that on that committee, I was obviously in a leadership role. 
However, before that, I'd been in kind of like a less of a leadership role. I've just been part of the community as a general member. And so playing multiple roles, I learned how to play those roles well. I learned how to like interact in a nice way, like to satisfy, like to actually reach kind of what the grand conclusion in that case was. So whether it was running an event, whether I was a leader of running that event, whether I was just helper, whether I was X, Y, Z. Um, I definitely think that experience is so rewarding. And I really encourage anyone to get involved in a community. I, I know a lot of people take a perspective on uni that's like, oh, get my degree, get out, whatever. Um, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. I will say that. Uh, my sister actually is exactly this person. That She studies psychology. She's two years older than me. And she went to Monash. And I think she went to uni once. And she's like, nah, never again. I'm just going to do this all online. I'm just going to go to my classes and not. And I think she really, really um, hindered her growth as a person because she really stayed in this kind of bubble throughout her whole degree. She didn't get the opportunity to kind of grow and meet new people. Because, again, I think I mentioned this before, you are shaped by your interactions with people and the people that are closest to you. I think that's why, like, I, I know you said in the car, like, you were... You're like so happy that I reached out and like said, "Hey, you want to like go gym, get some food, and like do this podcast?" Mm-hmm. Because it's like I'm all about meeting new people and like listening to their stories and like where they come from as well. Absolutely. I think it's such an important skill, and like extrinsically, I think you grow as a person. You know, yep. like you're able to be more empathetic, and that is such a like important skill in life as well. Yep. And yeah. Absolutely, I think it's I think it's important not just for um if you want to study medicine just in general like it's yeah like exactly a lot of people just it's 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 very scary that a lot of people lack empathy. I've met a lot of people they just don't. It's not because they're malicious. It's because they don't think. And it's because they haven't been exposed to like other people's perspectives and other people's like lifestyles. Because again, they've lived in this kind of bubble. It's like my sister. She's not a bad person in the slightest. She's a lovely person. <laughs> However. She doesn't have the same probably extent of empathy because she doesn't interact with as many people. She hasn't seen different perspectives of life. And so I think that's really important to shaping you as a person. Yeah. And I think that's why I take this um, perspective of like high school is very like limiting because you're forced to interact with these people in that bubble. And like a lot of the time you don't click. Absolutely. So you don't learn how to be empathetic. And then you're like, well, you take this closed mind, uh, closed minded like thought process and you're like, you take that into uni. And then you just don't grow as a person. Yeah, you got to ditch it. You got to, I remember like, I used to be friends with a lot of people in high school and I don't talk to them at all anymore. And I'm very grateful I don't because they were just very closed-minded individuals. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't super open-minded then either. But the fact that I tried to reach out, tried to step out of my comfort zone, I think that's been really like growth, like a growth experience for me. And I feel like I'm actually, I said this to my mom the other day. I said, I would be scared to see who I am if I didn't go through this pathway of biomedicine. And I went into Monash and I did the graduate or undergrad med pathway because I, in my past, I've been, I think one of my kind of fatal flaws, um, this was years and years ago, was I, I was a little bit cocky. I was a little bit kind of, like, I, I, I knew, think we all are. Yeah. At some point in our life, like, Every, you just have everything, yeah. you know? Everything comes your way, everything's working, mm-hmm. and then you're like, yeah, I'm on top of the world, you know? Yeah. And then you start to belittle other people around you. Absolutely. I and definitely went through that as a person. Yeah. And, you know, you lose friends because of it, and you lose respect, but it's like how you bounce back yeah. from it. Absolutely. And I, I felt like I would not want to... Have, if I'd gotten everything I aimed for at that time, I just... I would be so different, and I'm very glad I didn't. I'm very glad... I think failure is really important. Um, I, I think it shapes you who you are if you can bounce back from that then you can bounce back from most things honestly I think mm. resiliency is is not innate it's also learned and I think like if you have just gone through life getting everything you want and say you uh, get 100% the first game so then you get 100 out of 100 or whatever and then you get a GPA of 7 you get a perfect score and you get in the medicine whatever and you've got everything you want and you're all the way through like hey like 
who are you going to be if you... Sh- what, what is going to happen to you when you actually inevitably meet a failure? You're going to meet one. No one succeeds forever. There's not this permanent succession. It's not like, yes, I hit this master. I hurt, jumped this hurdle, this hurdle, this hurdle. Eventually going to hit a hurdle that you can't clear. And then what are you going to do? So I think, yeah, that resiliency is really important. And it's great to learn it younger because yeah. when it gets older, the hurdles get bigger. So, yeah. And even like um, dialing down like things like gym, yeah. you know, like your personal milestones with like what your bench squat deadlift like you always you'll always hit those like um plateaus and it's like yeah absolutely and i'm sure you know a lot about that as well and it's just like how you overcome it you always face adversity i feel like if you're getting everything your way there's no way you learn how to respect other people around you as well i learned that the hard way (laughs) everyone a lot of people learned it the hard way uh, yeah exactly Uh, uh like yeah you you need to learn how to bounce back from your failures and it sounds so cliche but it does, it's so it's important I, a lot of cliches are true i think this is it uh, right? yeah i think so too i've uh, and like with this podcast you know like lots of topics get discussed like you talk about like how how you're a better person how you grow how you learn lots of cliches pop up but then when you think about it and when i talk about it as well with mm. like you with guests like i'm like hey like <laughs> it actually like makes sense you know it it's keeps like, coming up same for a reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly uh i don't know life hey eh? life hey eh? yeah that's it right life with them <laughs> <laughs> that's it tune in guys <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much um we have a little bit of time so i want i want you to talk about let's say gym you know gym? something you're gonna um probably be doing for the next three months yeah, every day. <laughs> no. Yeah, every day. No, yeah. no recovery. No I mean, recovery. like, what's that, man? <laughs> yeah, what are you? <laughs> what are you gonna do with yourself? You know, next two, three months. That's you're a really talking about grab, getting a hobby or like, maybe you well, should learn an instrument. <laughs> maybe. Well, that's it, right? I don't. I've developed my. <laughs> it was my my hobbies. I guess you could call them hobbies in third year in biomedicine. I got really busy. And I got really busy, not just with uni and academics, but also the extra co- like the co-curriculars I had. I had the Biomed Society. I had like arms to commitments. I had work. I was working three days a week for uh, 30 hours a week, basically, just big days. And so when I balanced all these things, I really didn't have a lot of time for me. And I did, and also gymming every single day. It was really a full jam-packed, hectic schedule. And so taking a step back, I don't have these co-curriculars anymore, but I'm finding that I don't know what I want to do anymore like I, I don't know what I want to do spend my, with my spare time because gym look what it takes an hour and a half yeah, hour a day exactly. like come on like it doesn't take that much um I try to get my 10,000 steps a day I still work um in uh the hospitality industry but reality is I have a lot of spare time and I don't really know what I want to do with it yet and did I you think, find did you sorry um no, did on. you find that you enjoyed the sort of pace that you were going at with like I think All that balance. I think that it was about halfway through. I had to take an extra day off work, and I went from thirty to twenty hours. Because I said, I was very proactive in the sense that I was like, "This is unsustainable. No mm. one can do this." Mm. I was like, oh, "I'm sure there are people that are freaks, but I can't do this." And I had to be a little bit humble, and I had to step back and be like, like recognize my own limitations, and be like, "I can't keep this pace up, or I will burn out, and I will just give half effort to everything." And I don't want to do that. I don't want to like um, screw people over in that sense where I have a responsibility to certain things, and so I have to prioritize those because that's what I've been elected to do. That's what I've been told. That's what I have to do. Um, even my academics, I like for my goals, I have to do that. And so I had to reprioritize my life. And I realized, like, for example, my work in hospitality, um, that was not my priority. I'm not going to hospitality. I'm not starting up my own bar. I'm not starting up my own nightclub uh, yet. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not starting that stuff up. So I had to kind of reprioritize that down the ladder. Also, my relationships, too. Like, I have a girlfriend. Um, my 
relationship with other people as well um i had to kind of make sure that those were kind of flourishing yeah and it's great to see that you you had some humility and you were like okay no i probably need to strip this back dial it down a little bit because it's getting a bit too intense like being i think that's I keep saying like, oh, this is a huge skill, but like it is like understanding your li- own limitations and like having that humility to be like, hey, maybe I just need to turn down it. a little bit. Who, who are you trying to prove yourself to when you like take on 50 different things and try to like go your max, go full out? Like the reality is, um, I know, I know people like that. And it's like, who, what are you, what are you doing this for? Like what's the, what's the actual reason you're doing it? Understanding the reason you're doing things is really important because if you don't understand the reason you're doing things, like. What are, you, what are you doing? You're just going to do 50 different things. You're going to burn out. You're going to, your mental health is going to suffer. Your, your relationship is going to suffer. Um, your, the ability, the effort that you're giving to everything is going to diminish. You're not going to be as efficient or as effective as a person. So then what's the point of doing 50 different things? So that was something that I definitely had to do was reevaluate myself, reprioritize things. And just, yeah, um, I thought when I went to third year, what you're saying about that pace, I said, no, I couldn't get that pace up. And so I had to reevaluate after I think I lasted eight weeks. I was like, I can't keep doing this too much. Um, so I took back work. And then now, though, I think the pace is probably a little bit slow. So, yeah. And I think the reason for that is when you do all these things and you do BSS and you do all these different commitments, um, you learn, you get very good at time management and managing your time. And so I was a pretty well-oiled machine in terms <laughs> of I'd get up at uh, 9 a.m., for a, a meeting for three hours or two hour meeting and then another meeting and then uh, I'd go to the gym and then I'd have work and then I'd have to do a few lectures and then the day's over. There's, I had no free time that day. Mm. And then the next day, exactly the same thing, a different meeting for someone else and then something else. And then, oh God, the amount of meetings I had was excessive. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily all like one thing. It wasn't all BSS. It was the fact that I took on so many different things. And in if I could go back, I wouldn't take a few of them because I feel like they didn't help me grow as a person and they mm. kind of just hindered me. Yeah, I read this book uh, titled Essentialism and it's like the art of being able to say no is so, so crucial and um, being able to take a step back and not feel pressured in a situation uh, to like take this opportunity, you know? Like it's all good in that to take opportunities, but being able to understand like when to say no and when to be like, hey, this is like probably too much for my platter, like... I, I found that book so so rewarding to read and I feel like if you get a chance you should uh, read it I think I should um, yeah I think I've learned that the hard way uh, that's what it is is that if you don't say no you're going to end up in a position that you're not comfortable and although I, I find that discomfort breeds growth it does and it's, there's, an, there's a limit there's but, a limit where it's yeah, just yeah and then it breeds that half effort that you were talking about it's debilitating and it's mm. like okay um, you need to actually learn your limitations and to I guess an argument could be made that you learn your limitations by experimentation uh, but you need an out you need to pick things yeah, that you can bail I'm on I'm guessing these commitments were like commitments they like were contract com- they were like well they uh, yeah I guess they, I'd have to resign from the position I could formally resign do all these like paperwork no I'm not doing that I, I got elected to the job I got elected for a year I took on those things yeah that's my fault or in terms of like that's my decision and i had to own that decision mm. and there were there were a few times especially in the bss that it got really stressful and i, I was like to the point where i was like i'm thinking i might resign um because it's just too much like it was i, I felt like very um pressured in a lot of times mm. but i ended up i had to think back to why i was doing it and i was like i'm doing this for xyz i find it's a really rewarding experience i want to give back to people that have given to me for the last three years of my or two years of my life um and like reminding myself of the rationale for doing it really made me keep going and I, i'm very glad i didn't resign but there were a few times i was like we're touch and go <laughs> I was like, oh. yeah for sure um i want to delve into your relationships mm-hmm. not just with your girlfriend but mm-hmm. with like friends family 
Did you fit find that it deteriorated because of this, like, yeah, the I rigors did. of biomed? I think so. Um, I think it's it's really difficult to know because my relationship was over COVID, right? Most of it. And so because it was over COVID, it's in a different circumstance. I feel like it didn't deteriorate as much as it would have if I had to go to uni. Because if I had to go to uni and I had to be there every day and then go to meetings, et cetera, et cetera, I just find no time for it whatsoever. And Yeah, because you're adding travel time yeah. as well. And the fact that I, I think, as well with my parents. So I moved out in first year and then I moved back with my parents when COVID happened because I was like, I can't, I don't have a job, I can't afford this. I didn't get my job keeper because I've been, been working for 11 months, so they're 12. So I missed <laughs> out. I was a casual. So I was, I was like, L. yeah, I was an L. It was a fat L. Um, so I had to, yeah, I basically had to like go back home and work from home and like live or study from home and i think that was actually a really good experience because i had so much like like free time in the sense of not free time but like you could go out and have a cup of tea and then you'd still see your parents and you would still talk to them and it's not like if i was in the city i feel like i would never have had time to go all the way out and see them and like with my girlfriend at the time like she would come down and visit me um vice versa whenever i get the chance and it was really good because it, it was like there was nothing else going on that i felt like i could it was a good thing the pandemic happened at that time. I think in some ways, yeah, the pandemic was rewarding. Like, I don't know, yeah. some people might... And, like, because of mental health and everything, I completely understand. But sometimes it is good to have that, like, foot off the pedal. I think it has, it has silver linings. Probably, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, knowing that, yeah, it was, it was a struggle. I think it was a struggle for anyone. No one's denying that. But I think there were some silver linings for certain people, which I know that I'm one of those people that had a silver lining, was that, hey, I got to spend time with my parents, my girlfriend at the time, like that stuff. Like, it was very, very um, beneficial in that regard. So, yeah. Um, if I could reset the pandemic, no, I would not, though. I would yeah. still... I would be like, nah, Glad things are opening again. Glad things are opening again. And no. we can head down to uh, your your bar. The local pub or the bar, yeah, damn, <laughs> okay. We'll catch you there. Um. Josh, it has been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you. Do we have any final words from the man himself? Final words? Um, I don't really know what to say when you put me on the spot like that. I guess just... You've been um, speaking hell well, so I, I don't know. Um, just thought I might give it a bit... Last rev. Last rev. Look, uh, I don't know what we've finished. I guess the most important thing probably today um, is understanding, I think, yourself and your motivations and why you're doing what you're doing. I think we spoke about in the context of biomed medicine and career pathways, but I think it extends to like a lot of different things. And like even yourself with passion projects like this, why like understanding why you're doing this really kind of helps shaping as a person. So I think that's something really important to take a step back and think and to actually determine a reason. There will be a concrete reason. It's not just a feeling. It's there is a concrete reason. It just takes a while to find that reason. Yeah, and you have to do that poking and prodding. Yeah. I mean this podcast is to like meet people like you and have Awesome. awesome conversations awesome. that's an awesome experience <laughs> um, and we can find Josh's socials socials oh god um, yeah Instagram I can put it in the you description can... box oh yeah god for yeah. you yeah I know don't say that out loud no, no. <laughs> follow this man he's very uh, attractive and oh, you know, stop he's got a whole whole career ahead of him he's in a mirror mate <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for hopping on be f- sure to follow uh, at life with them podcast on Instagram Uh, We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you can listen to Anchor as well. But Josh, thank you so much for hopping on again. Um, I hope the listeners can take something out of this. And I certainly learned a lot from you in our second time meeting. So Awesome. Thank you, Jaden. It was an awesome experience. And hopefully, yeah, thank you for this opportunity. So thank you very much. No worries. We'll see you in the next episode. (laughs) Awesome. See you soon.